This is the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast Show, hosted by Bo Finley and Brant Walker. Welcome back to another episode of the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast. Here, as always, Brant and Bo coming at you. Um, I know we talked about possibly having a guest uh, host on this week. I think we pushed that back one week. Uh, I think Jason Urish is going to come back and visit us again next week. But for this week, you got Brant and Bo here. Um, we're going to come at you with uh, with some things this afternoon, a little bit fun stuff here. But first, obviously, there was a massive trade uh, that shook up the landscape of the NFL. My beloved Julio Jones left the Falcons scorned uh, and went over to uh, be a member of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, I wish Julio nothing but the best, first of all. Uh, ten wonderful years with him in Atlanta. Tons of highlights. Uh, tons of arguments for me as a Falcons fan about, you know, whether it was, it was, was it Julio or was it Antonio Brown? Was it Julio or Calvin Johnson? Was it Julio or, you know, uh, A.J. Green? Was it Julio or whoever else? And it was always, for me, the argument was, you know, these guys, these names change. They come and go, but Julio is the consistent. It's always somebody else they want to be better. But nonetheless, I love Julio Jones. I hope he balls out in Tennessee. Um, you know, hopefully not well enough that he wins a couple Super Bowls there and wants to retire as a Titan. Obviously, I want him to retire as a Falcon, go into the Hall of Fame as a Falcon. Uh, but obviously, there's some fantasy implications that come from that. Um, so real quick, Walker, I'll take the uh, Falcon side of it because of how close I am to the situation. And then if you want to talk about the Tennessee side of it a little bit, um, obviously, Matt Ryan takes a pretty big hit losing, you know, one of the greatest wide receivers in football. Um, granted, he was he only played nine games last year for, for the Falcons. Uh, and Calvin really did step in a big way. So did a couple other role players. Um, and Matt Ryan still had a pretty good year last year. Um, but obviously Julio leaving is going to change coverage, coverage schemes a lot. Um, we're going to have to see if Ridley can step up and, and be that guy with the number one corner double coverage a couple times a year or a couple times a game. I'm sure, um, we'll have to step up and see what he can do. Uh, I think Russell Gage and, uh, Amita Zacchaeus will take small bumps. Uh, one of the two of them is going to have to come out and prove themselves as the number two. Uh, obviously, Kyle Pitts probably takes a huge boost in my mind um, because not that they had great success in the red zone, but Matt Ryan did look Julio's way a lot in the red zone. With Julio being gone, that should free up some red zone targets um, for Kyle Pitts as well. Um, I think Kyle Pitts may sneak his way into top five uh, conversation just rookie year, which would be insane. But there is those vacated targets from Julio now. Um, the one last thing I want to hit on a little bit is I think um, – there's going to be a big drop off in Atlanta this year from in the passing uh, statistics anyway, because of our new head coach, the new uh, system he brings in. They do like to run. They do like to play action, um, things of that nature. So I don't think you'll see Matt Ryan gunsling it quite as often as he has in the past. Um, and now that you don't have Julio, there's even less of a reason to. Um, so that's kind of where I stand on the Falcon side of it. Walker, why don't you tell me how you feel about the Titans side of it? I think it's great for the Titans. They get a move. I think you're going to see Ryan Tannehill move up in rankings quite a bit. Um, he gets another weapon. Um, so now that gives him both uh, Julio, A.J. Brown, and uh, Anthony Furtzker out there. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that uh, Tannehill moves up. I think you're going to see Brown move down just a little bit. Um, and I, I just think it's a big boost for that offense. And now the question is, are they going to be able to – pass the ball rather than just hand that thing off to the beast in the backfield. Yeah, that's that's a really tough question to ask. I mean, um, if Arthur Smith was still in town, I think you'd have a hard time convincing me that they wouldn't still feed Derrick Henry every play. Uh, but there is a new offensive uh, coordinator in town. Same head coach, so the philosophy should be similar. 
Um, but listen, you trade for a guy like Julio Jones, you're going to pass a little bit more than you have in the past. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to get more targets than Corey Davis. Um, we'll, and I think some of those will be vacated targets from A.J. Brown. Uh, but it is Derrick Henry we're talking about. He's he's a stud. Uh, he's what he's what makes that offense tick. So it'll be interesting to see how they move forward with that. Absolutely. And we got more news with Aaron Rodgers not showing up to camp. And uh, so I, I think that one was was fairly uh, expected. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know whether I'm if I'm a Green Bay fan. I don't know if I'm sounding any alarms yet. Um, you know, obviously you want your you want your star player, uh, your star quarterback, your your MVP from the previous season to be reporting to camp, working with some of these w- rookies. You know, we got Amari Rodgers, the kid out of Clemson, is going to be a pretty good wide receiver in the NFL, I believe. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers not being there to work with this kid's not great. Uh, and then a lot of I've heard a lot of Packers fans saying, you know, it's okay if he leaves. We got Jordan Love. Jordan Love at practice yesterday ran the two-minute drill for the first time. Walker, I don't know if you heard about this or not. Putrid. He uh, had a really tough time putting the ball in the right spot. Uh, got himself into a fourth and seven situation inside the Packers, 46, um, in the two-minute drill and threw overthrew a wide Malik Turner uh, by like 12 yards or something I saw. Uh, and this is just two, This is just OTA or uh, training camp two-minute drills. This is not in a game. Right. There should be very little pressure on him at this point, um, especially knowing Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback in front of you. Why not just go out there and, and do the best you can? And if that's the best he can do, the Packers could be in some trouble if Aaron Rodgers leaves. They might want to try to appease that man a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So today uh, on the episode, we're going to hit a little uh, start, sit, and cut, a little menu options, as I want to call them. Um, and we're also going to hit a little uh, – We're going we're gonna to do some buy-sells, but we're going to uh, – of course, this is the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast – you tune into us because we're fat boys, because we put the fat boys spin on everything. So, Brant, before we get started, you know, you ever you ever seen them? I've never been to one necessarily, but you ever seen um, the uh, restaurants where it's like a buffet, but everything's on a conveyor line and it goes by your table. And if you want it, you just press a button and it stops and you scoop it off the plate. Right. So when you're looking at these things, you're like, man, that's something I really want. I'm going to buy that. Right. You scoop that onto your plate. Then the next item comes along. And you're like, Ugh, I'm not sure I want that. We're going to let that slide. Right. Where are yourself. They exist. I've seen them on videos. Some place. I've been to a restaurant where the train brought my food. <laughs> I, I've seen those too, but yes, um, these these exist. They're conveyor belts. I know both of our minds are blown just talking about that. Well, I might not be able to do this. I might be doing some Googling. We might be drooling over ourselves here while we're talking, uh, but these do exist. Um, so um, with that being said, Walker, we're sitting at a, what a at a buffet. What's the first uh, menu item you got rolling down the train well, here? See if I want to scoop it off I'm, my plate. I'm gonna hit you with two back to back that come off after this trade that are gonna raise questions. Let's go right off the bat. Calvin Ridley to lead the league in receiving yards this year. Are you buying or selling that? Uh, I think I'm gonna buy. Um, listen, C- Calvin Ridley is one of the more, more pure route tree guys in the nfl his route tree is footwork great he's a little undersized not the fastest guy in the league um but he runs a pretty good route um and uh, i know a lot of people are down on matt ryan that's cool whatever matt ryan still gets the job done he's he's still a good enough quarterback this time in his, his career but if a wide receiver is getting open he's going to get him the ball um I, I i think that you will see the pass volume come down i think you will see kyle pitts get the ball a little bit but Matt Ryan's in the tail end of his career. He's going to put the ball where he knows that it's going to go and he's going to have some production. That's going to be Calvin Ridley. Uh, I do think Calvin Ridley is going to have more targets this year than he did last year, and I expect him to con- continue on. You add that extra game in there. Uh, I-, I do. I think Calvin Ridley, it's going to be close. I think Tyreek Hill would be the other guy. 
um, that I'd want to put in that conversation. But I think Ridley will edge him out in the long run. I'm buying it also. Here's why. First off, Calvin Ridley beat Tyreek Hill last year with Julio there. Julio did only play, what would you say, nine, nine games? games. Calvin Ridley finished as one, two, three, four, fifth. Fifth overall in receiving yards last year. I think he does. I think his targets will go down, but the the efficiency of the targets he gets will go up because how do you cover how do you cover Kyle Pitts? How do you cover a a, a guy coming out of the backfield also when when you add, they added a better pass catching back this off season and then um, and, and you still got Russell Gage who showed he's very reliable too and uh, I have no idea how to say his name but when he did play when he played he was very he was he was very good at a fill-in role. So, yeah, I'm going to buy that Ridley will be the receiving leader at the end of the year. Real quick, I want to put this out, too. I meant to, meant to touch base on this a minute ago. For those of you that are in Dynasty Leagues or whatever, and you're, you see the, the Julio Jones news come out, and you're rushing to grab Russell Gage, I want to tell you, you might want to hesitate a little bit on that. You might want to go look up the stats. Russell Gage had more playing time than Zacchaeus did last year. But Zacchaeus was much, 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 much more effective in his usage than Russell Gage was. So you might be able to get Zacchaeus even cheaper, and he could end up being the better of the two this year. They're both worth pickups if they're sitting on the waiver. Uh, You don't necessarily want to add both, but if they're both sitting on the waiver, they're worth pickups. So I'm going to throw this other one out here. You buying or selling A.J. Brown to finish as a top 10 wide receiver this year? I know prior to this trade, everyone had him way up there, top five, top seven. Is he still up there for you? No, uh, and the reason behind that is Ryan Tannehill does not throw the ball enough to substantiate got two guys that high. Uh, I'm not saying Julio Jones is going to be a top ten, but I think Julio Jones and A.J. Brown will both be good enough this year as long as Julio stays healthy. Now, Julio gets injured early or misses significant time like he did last year? Absolutely. Um, but we're going we're gonna to go through these as if these guys are healthy, obviously. So if Julio stays healthy, he's still going to be good enough in his thirty, his age 32 season here that he's going to be top 20, top 30 wide receiver, and he's going to be good enough. He's going to put A.J. Brown just on the outside of that. I'm thinking 11 or 12 probably at this point for me. Uh, but he's going to be right there. If there's any injuries happen, whether it be a, a wide receiver that I would rank in front of him at this point or to Julio, he's in there. But it's, it's close enough that I'm going to say – I'm going to sell it right now. I'm not scooping that onto my plate. I'm going to let that pass on the conveyor belt. I, too, am also going to let that pass. Uh, I think that prior to this trade, he was the only thing really there getting targeted. But you got to remember, they added uh, what was his uh, – uh, the guy from uh, – why am I drawing a blank? Josh Reynolds. Thank you. Uh, they and added Des him, Fitzpatrick. too. So, and Des Fitzpatrick, who Des has had – if I'm not mistaken, I read that right. He's had a pretty good training camp um, and rookie camp with them. I, I'm going to sell it too. I think that you, I think AJ Brown will finish inside the top 15. Mm-hmm. Inside the top 10 is too, too rich for me. I'm going to have to pass on that one. Okay. Um, so my first one, shockingly enough, is going to stay in Tennessee as well. But it's a little, I mean, it's still got a little bit to do with the Julio trade, but a little less. Um, will Derrick Henry repeat as the league leading rusher this season? I'm going to pass on that also. Um, I just think that they're going to open it up a little bit more and he's going to get a little less work. That way, maybe give him a little rest this year from what three hundred plus carries or whatever he always gets. So I just I don't think he will. I think you're going to see. Uh, I want to put a name. I could see Nick Chubb creeping up there with some of his long runs. Um, you could also see um, uh, Saquon moving up there too. I'm going to pass on 
on Derrick Henry. I just I just think they're going to open it up just enough to where he's going to finish. I still think he finishes top three, but number one, I'm going to pass on it. Yeah, uh, you know, I know Derrick Henry, he's getting older. He's, he's at that age 27 season. That's where we usually start to see this rapid decline. Um, big back, doesn't catch the ball well out of the backfield, um, things of that nature. Um, but let's not forget what Tennessee has been successful with the last two seasons and what's made Tannehill an above average quarterback is that they live and die by that play action pass. What makes that play action pass so successful is Derrick Henry. And in order for the play action pass to be successful, Derrick Henry has to be successful. So I, tip, I truly believe that there will be a few more passes thrown this season than there were like the, there'll be a little less rushes and a little bit more passing, but adding Julio Jones is going to make teams respect the pass so much that they can't stack the box. Derrick Henry could see some of the more wide open rushing lanes that he's had in the last two or three seasons. And to me, I think he's going to be just like you said with Calvin Ridley. I think Derrick Henry, <coughs> excuse me, Derrick Henry will be more effective with his touches than what he's been in the past. And you get Derrick Henry with a head of steam and he's got seven yards before he's seen his first defender. He's getting a first down. I mean, he's going to push that person back three yards. James Harrison maybe in his prime would stop Derrick Henry coming down the tracks. Uh, but I, I'm going to buy that he's going to be he's going to be the guy again this year. I think this is the last year that I'd even list him in the conversation. But I think he's going to go out with a bang in his 27 season, 20 year 27 season, excuse me. And I think he will repeat as the uh, league leading rusher. Okay, okay. I'm going to go to a different running back. Way lower on your ADP draft boards here. I'm going to go with a little. Does Mike Davis finish as the RB1 in Atlanta this season? That's tough. If there was somebody behind Mike Davis that I really thought was going to push him, um, as a Falcons fan, the one I'm keeping my eye on the most is Quandre Oleson, bruising back out of uh, Pittsburgh. Very similar style to Derrick Henry. I'm not saying he is Derrick Henry, but very similar. Arthur Smith may end up falling in love with this kid. Um, when he once he gets him in there and sees what he can do, he's great goal line back, things of that nature. Um, but I just don't think there's anybody who can push Mike Davis. And Mike Davis was very serviceable last year for the Panthers in Christian McCaffrey's absence. Uh, he took a great team friendly deal to be in Atlanta, loves the city. Um, quad father now, after those pictures leaked, he's he's the quad father. Move over AJ Dillon. Uh, I, I do think he's going to be, barring injury, I do think he's going to be the guy all year there in Atlanta this year. Okay, I'm going to actually sell on this one. Just like you said, you have Olsen there that, that's going to get some touches. You're also going to – I think I think Hawkins will also compete for that RB1 role there in Atlanta. I know he's an undrafted back. But Mike Davis has had history of falling off and just not even showing up to the season really. I mean, he played in Seattle and never really heard about him when he was in with the Bears. He wasn't really much of a, of a factor. So I just I, – I feel like somebody else is going to step into that role I just, I just don't think he finishes the RB one in, in Atlanta. Now that's a backfield to come fantasy wise. I think I'm staying away from. Yeah, I mean, so for me, my argument to that would be um, Mike Davis really never had a role like he did last year until last year. Uh, in Seattle, he was buried on the depth chart. Uh, in Chicago, he was buried on the depth chart. Never got a lot of run. Um, gets his first opportunity last year and made the most of it by a lot, lot. Um, and if he can do even two-thirds of what he did last season, consistency and game-wise production. He'll do enough that he'll stay in that offense. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, the Falcons' defense is not going to be much better this year. I mean, they did add defensive coordinator, one of the greatest of all time, Dean Pease, um, and they're, they're looking at adding some free agent defensive players. Justin Houston's out there. Melvin Ingram's still out there. There's some names they're talking about bringing in. Um, 
but their defense is not going to be good enough that they're not they're going to be playing from behind consistently. Um, so I think most of the running backs in Atlanta will have very limited roles in most of the games because they will be having to throw a lot to stay in games. Um, so I mean, I I, I don't. I, it's part of that reason again that I believe. Mike Davis will hang on to it because there's not going to be enough work out of that backfield for somebody to surpass him. Okay. Um, my second one, um, Carson Wentz makes indie pass catchers more relevant. Uh, I'm going to buy that. I think behind that line, he'll be able to have time. He won't be running for his life like he was in Philly. I think he'll be able to spread the ball out more. Um, fantasy relevant is, is really hard. There's, there's, uh, you got T.Y. Hilton there. You got. Um, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, Zach, Zach Pascal. You got all of them there. But I do. I think he makes them a little bit more relevant. I, I think he'll get a little more time. And he's back with a friendly with a friendly face there with that head coach there as he came back into uh, Indy. I think he's going to be really good for that team. And um, un- the, the biggest thing that I don't – I think he makes them more relevant. What still makes them not so relevant to me is that defense still – yeah, the defense is definitely going to still be a thing. Um, I, I'm selling this, and I, I don't really even hesitate on it. Um, I know he only played 12 games last year, um, but Carson Wentz was abysmal. Um, he had a 54% completion rating, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. That's not very good. Uh, I know we were we saw Philip Rivers there in town last year, and Philip Rivers was was woefully bad. Uh, I know. A lot of the, the wide receivers in, in Indy are, are pretty excited. They, I even saw a clip of, of T.Y. Hilton saying he's excited to get the long ball back in Indy. It's been a while since they've had that. Um, you can throw the long ball. Carson Wentz has got the arm strength to do it. He can throw the long ball, um, but his accuracy is what scares me. Um, I think he's going to make a lot of opposing defenses relevant. Uh, I think you will see an Indianapolis patch, pass catcher end up inside the top 30, maybe. Um maybe two or three of them inside the top 50. Um, but I, I just don't know if I trust Carson Wentz. You know how down I was on him all year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, the it's the 54% completion pat, or, uh, rating, uh, which I understand he, he's going from a woefully bad offensive line to one of the best in football, which should help with that a little bit. He won't be rushed, like you said. Um, I, I just don't know if I, if I trust him as, as the guy to uh, – to make the fantasy or the wide receivers guys that I want to jump for in drafts and things of that nature. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So my last one here is tight end for the Washington football team. Logan Thomas His ADP is current. ADP is the seventh overall tight end. Do you buy or sell that he'll finish inside the top seven? I'm selling that really hard. Um, and, and listen, here's why you went from Kirk cousins. Okay. And Dwayne Haskins who were not, not the greatest quarterbacks love Alex Smith. No knock against him, but he didn't have the arm strength to get the ball deep downfield. Made Logan Thomas much, much, much more serviceable. Now we're putting Fitzmagic in, who's willing to put the ball in some crazy spots, willing to do some things with the ball. You got Curtis Samuel there. You got uh, Dwami Brown there, and you got Terry McLaurin there. You got a pretty good wide receiving core. I think, for me, I think Logan Thomas is going to finish as the third option there. I think he'll probably be ahead of, of Dwami Brown in his rookie season, probably. Um, unless Dwami Brown surpasses Curtis Samuel, then I think it'll be Curtis Samuel as the number four uh, target. But let's also not forget we got J.D. McKissick in the backfield there. They say Antonio Gibson's pass catching has improved leaps and bounds. Um, so for me, uh, 
Logan Thomas, I, I think he's going to be a guy that you can get, you can put in your lineup, and you're okay with where he's with his production if you miss out on one of those top tier guys. Uh, but I, I, I think it, I think he's going to be good enough to be in the top ten. I just I don't I don't want to put him inside the top seven. Obviously, I got to have Kittle. I've got to have Kelsey. I've got to have Waller. I'm putting Mark Andrews in there. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson's in there, and I'm throwing Kyle Pitts in there. That's six. Now all you got to do is have Goddard, Jacecki, uh, Hunter Henry, or Jonu Smith, or somebody step up, and, and it bumps him out. Um, so for so for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell this one. I was like, I'm gonna buy it, and I, I think he and I, here's why. I think he's gonna be the red zone target or the red zone getter there. Um, I think that Fitz will find him there in the, inside the red zone, and and I think his touchdowns will bolt him in. I mean, tight ends are so hard. Once you get past five, six through ten, normally fluctuate so much. It's crazy. I mean, at one point, didn't we see Logan Thomas is like the number three during one week? I, I so, know. I know for a while Hayden Hurst was number five. Yeah, and he finished outside the top ten. Yeah. So, so I just think Logan Thomas will get enough work inside the red zone, and I'm not 100 sold that Fitz Magic's going to be the quarterback all year long. I think that Fitz. I think you might see a Tua type role there with. With Fitzmagic and Henneke this year, I think you're going to see Fitzmagic start in the in the beginning of the year, and I think Henneke may end up taking over uh, later in the year. He showed that he could that he could uh, handle the game with that great defense and put them in winning situations. So I just think that Logan Thomas will will creep into the top seven. I I don't know if I put him any higher than seven right now, but I think he'll creep up there. Okay, okay, I can get on board with that. Um, my last one's kind of a really generic question here, but I think it makes there's there's some thought provoking uh inside of this question so there will be consistent fantasy relevancy in houston this season do you buy or sell that i'm buying it because i think deshaun watson is still a, a texan and he's gonna play i think that um somehow he'll manage i, I haven't heard much from him lately but i think he might manage to actually escape without being suspended at all and i mean he might be the only fantasy relevant thing there but I'm not completely sold that Watson's going to be gone, especially with all the off-field problems he had this offseason. What team is really going to want to take a stab at him? Yeah, so I, so I view it a little bit differently. I think Deshaun Watson's going to get a suspension. Um, the, the, the National Football League uh, is really silly in the fact that um, they're, they're known for suspending players even without charges being brought against them. You know, Ben Roethlisberger was suspended six games for his actions. Um, Zeke Elliott was suspended six games for his stuff, even though there were no outside charges brought against him. So the NFL is really uh, known to do that. And even if they don't suspend him, I could see Deshaun Watson holding out and demanding a trade saying, you know, listen, I, I've got no charges against me. Some team out there wants me. I'm not suiting up for the Texans until I'm moved. Uh, and I think he'll force his hand. I don't see him playing a full season in Houston. I'd be shocked to see even half a season in Houston. Um, but – the backfield is too crowded for me to say there's going to be any consistency True, in that backfield. Get more crowded. Brandon Cooks is Mr. Concussion. Uh, he he doesn't ever play a full season. It doesn't it doesn't feel like. Um, you know you got Nico Collins, who I think is going to be a bona fide stud someday in the NFL, uh, but he's a rookie, and I don't know if it's going to be Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills. Who who's going to be throwing the ball there? Um, you know, there's there's um, what. Um, Jordan Aikens, Darren Fells, and what tight end did they add this year? I don't remember. Did they add Brevin Jordan? Yes, they added Brevin Jordan. Um, so you got three tight ends that are all fairly similar in skill level and, and experience um, that are they're going to be tearing each other apart. 
Uh, obviously, my my answer would be Brandon Cooks if he can stay healthy. Uh, he's a guy that if you own, you got to play him. I, I just don't know if I see enough consistency out of the quarterback, the running back. You know, they're going to be playing from behind. They have no defense. Uh, I think this is just this this is the team that if I could play a full season and I never owned a player that was signed or or, or under contract with the Houston Texans, even if I didn't win a single game that year, I would consider myself a winner in fantasy. <laughs> Um, that's well, how, I got out of that. That's how abysmal. Yeah, you can thank uh, Jason Urish when he's on the show next week uh, for for giving you a gift and, and letting you out of uh, Derek <laughs> or David Johnson. Um, but yeah, I, I I think Houston's got a really good chance to go zero and seventeen this year. They, you know, Deshaun Wa- or uh, Patrick Mahomes come out and said his only goal is to you know go what twenty and zero because no team's ever done that before. Uh, you could see the Houston Texans be the first team ever to go 0-17 this year. Uh, <laughs> sure. And that's that's not something you want to see. Uh, I, I don't know if they own their own first-round pick next year. Maybe they do want that. I don't know. Bill O'Brien really uh, put those guys behind the curve there in Houston. But, uh, you know, if you're a Houston Texans fan and you're listening to this podcast, I'm really sorry if I'm hurting your feelings. If you didn't already know any of this, you guys are going to be bad next year. You make me as a Falcons fan happy for the season. Okay? Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't trust it. Maybe if they wouldn't have added – you know, Philip Lindsay, uh, Danny Woodhead, and uh, Lamar Miller, or not, uh, Mark Ingram, excuse me. If they wouldn't have added those names, maybe you could say David Johnson will be consistently relevant, or if David Johnson was gone and they added one of those, I, you know. But I, I just don't trust enough of what I'm seeing in Houston uh, as far as personnel-wise to be able to buy into any relevancy there. Absolutely, absolutely. I understand that. So uh, I think that's it for our uh, buy and sell. Um, I think it's time to get into some menu options here, as we're going to call them. We're going to call them the start, sit, and cut. It's going to be our menu options. We're going to take three options, and we're going to narrow it down to which one we'd rather order first, our secondary choice, and then the one we're just going to go ahead and cut out. So yeah, so I, I, I think you're underselling this a little bit, Walker. You know, we're food connoisseurs, right? So we go to our restaurant, and it's like, you know, that looks really, 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 really good, but so does this. And then your family's all decided what they want. And as a food connoisseur, you don't know until your waiter walks up and then you just blurt out what it was. And then afterwards, you're like, man, I don't know if that's what I really wanted. But you you know, also know as fat guys that you don't want to go in and be excited about one particular thing. <laughs> and then that restaurant be like, yeah, sorry, we're out. You got to have that backup plan, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the, the, the menu option thing we're looking at here is that there's going to be one of the three things in this, in this start, sit, and cut that we're far more excited about than the others. But there's also a safe a safe play in our sit that we're like, you know, if my start's not available or it's going to be a longer wait time, maybe I'll go with that and I wouldn't be upset. And then you got your cut. It's just, oh, that's repulsive. It's a salad. I can't believe I was even considering that. Kind of <laughs> um, so I'll go ahead and start us off here. Um, for the most part in mine, I kind of went guys that are going to be lower tier players for the most part. You know, guys that are there's going to be some debate on whether or not you want to even play them. Late round choices, basically. You know, these these might be my quarterbacks. This might be your McDonald's menu options. Okay, you're not excited about it, but you're already there. The line's not real long. Your favorite restaurant's got a two hour wait time, so you're settling. Okay, um, but I've got uh, Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick, Sam Darnold, and Daniel Jones. Where are you at on those three? I'm starting Daniel Jones. I like what they've done in New York with him. I like that they build around him. So I'm starting Daniel Jones. Now, here comes the real problem. Do I want the do I want the Big Mac or do I want the quarter pounder? Which one am I going to cut out? 
I don't. So what is Daniel Jones? The fillet of fish or something? No, that's the whole shamrock. Combo. Shamrock shake. Shamrock shake okay. for my Irish. Okay. <laughs> it's the McRib if you really want to know, because that's my favorite thing. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna go sit that Sam Darnold just because I think Carolina is gonna be a more pass happy um, team. Um, and I'm going to have to cut Fitz Magic. I, I don't like to do that. I don't think any team in the NFL is like to have to cut him. Sure. Um, yeah, so for me, it, it's it's going to be Sam Darnold, okay? Um, Sam Darnold came in highly, highly touted out of UFC, USC, not UFC, excuse me. He's not a professional fighter. Um, come out of USC, highly touted. He's away from Adam Gase. We all know in the fantasy world what happens when a player gets away from Adam Gase. They explode. Um, he's got one of the most ingenuitive uh Offensive coordinators in the game of football who will be the Cincinnati Bengals head coach probably next season and Joe Brady, the former LSU offensive coordinator. Um, but with Teddy Bridgewater last year, he was able to make Teddy Bridgewater a relevant quarterback due to the, the three wide receivers in the thousand yard mark. Um, I, I love DJ Moore. He's got Christian McCaffrey back in the backfield. That's going to be huge for Christian McCaffrey or uh, Sam Darnold's value. Because how many running backs in the National Football League can you hit on a little dump out route? And he takes it 70 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. True. Um, so I, I'm going to start Darnold. I'm going to also make the tough decision between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Daniel Jones. I'm going to start Daniel Jones just because of the youth around him. And listen, let's be honest. I'd rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. But it's like the ice cream machine. You know, it's already broken when you pull up to that line. <laughs> so you don't even think to order it. That's where I'm at with Fitzpatrick. I love the guy. He's had some great fantasy relevancy. But he's a broken down ice cream machine, and they're not going to serve it too many anyway. So I might as well just leave it off. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So my menu options here, I went a little more ADP, really close. Kind of looked it up a little bit. I got Kirk Cousins as your 18th ADP right now. Baker Mayfield is 19th, and Carson Wentz is 20th. Where are you at with this start, sit, and cut? What are your options? I mean, what are you picking with these options? Yeah, this, this one to, to me is is probably the easier of the two that we've done so far. For me, it's in ADP order. I'm starting Kirk Cousins. Listen, the guy finishes the number 11 quarterback last year in the National Football League. If you're telling me I'm getting the number 11 quarterback at the 18th quarterback value, that's a huge steal for me. Um, Baker Mayfield at, showed some great flashes last year, kind of took a step forward in his career, I think. So he's moving up. Uh, and then I, you already kind of heard my distaste for Carson Wentz. 54% completion percentage doesn't deserve to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I'm cutting Carson Wentz without hesitation. I'm starting Kirk Cousins this year. Next year, that might not be how I feel about it, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sitting Baker and starting Kirk. Okay. I am cutting Wentz also. Um, I've already cut ties with him once in Dynasty, twice, maybe four times. But So I'm cutting Wentz. Um, I think I'm starting Baker. I just think that that offense is going to be a little more – well oiled this year, and he's and he's got the guy and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb where he can hit a small dump off pass, and the guy can take it 15, 20 yards and really move the chains for him too. So, what? Kirk Dalvin Cook can't do that. Well, Dalvin Cook can, but okay. I'm also saying, but I lost also like I like OBJ better than I like Thielen. I like Jefferson better than I like anybody on okay. right. on Cleveland. Okay. I see you looking okay. at me over right. there, about to roll sure. your eyes on okay. me. Okay. So, but I like what Baker has there. He has some. Um, he has Landry there, who's always been consistent. He's got Rashard Higgins, who's a burner. He's got OBJ coming back. So I'm going to start Baker. I do like Baker this year. I'm going to sit Cousins because Cousins always does finish up there in the top 15 of QBs. So I like him to be there sitting on my bench in case Baker does fall flat on his face. Coming into the year, I kind of like Baker just a little bit more than I like Kirk Cousins. Okay. Not much, just a little bit. Okay. 
Um, let's move on into running backs. Um, this one for me is going to be my toughest one, I think, of, of, of all uh, eight of our things here. Um, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, and Austin Eckler. Where are you at on that? Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler. PPR standard. Got to know. Well, I think most of the time we play PPR for right. okay. Most people do. Then so. I'm going Austin Eckler. I just like Eckler there. I like PPR. Eckler's, uh, Eckler's a top ten back for me in PPR okay. in my mind. I like Eckler. It's going to be Eckler's my start. Oh, man. I'm going to go Jones as my sit. I don't want to sit any of these three. I surely don't want to cut any of them. But I'm going to go Jones as my sit. And I'm going to go with uh, Chubb, unfortunately, all because there's one reason that Chubb doesn't stand out to me, even though he stood out to everybody else and done it. Cream Hunt's still sitting there, and he steals too many touches in my liking. So I'm going to have to go with Eckler, Jones, and Chubb. Yeah, so I'm of a similar mindset. You know, we play PPR, uh, and not that Nick Chubb was a slouch without Cream Hunt. When Cream Hunt was suspended in, what, 2019, Nick Chubb was an absolute stud in a PPR format. Um, But as long as Aaron Rodgers is in town, I am absolutely infatuated with Aaron Jones. Uh, The man gets tons of touchdowns. He catches tons of passes. He he now doesn't have Jamal Williams knocking on the door. He's not going to have to expel himself. Uh, to the sidelines as often as he as he has in the past. Um, and, and Aaron Jones is good enough without the PPR to be a top 15 back on his legs alone. Um, you add in his pass catching ability, he's good enough to be top five. Um, it's really tough for me between Eckler and, and Chubb um, just because of what Chubb does bring to the table. Um, but if you're, you're presenting me with an opportunity to own a piece of that uh, Chargers offense um, – Nope, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm taking. I'm sitting Nick Chubb. I'm cutting Austin Eckler. I hate that. I love Eckler. I owned Eckler. I jumped for Eckler in Dynasty last year. You jumped for him in a redraft, too. I did jump for him in a redraft last year. He's one of my guys last year. I absolutely loved him. I still love him. Um, but there's a new coaching staff in town there. Uh, so there may be a little less dump-off plays, you know, scripted. Um, and I, I heard an interesting stat the other day. Um, that Austin Eckler has got four years in the league. His first three years in the league, every time he caught a ball, he averaged 10 yards a catch. Last year, he averaged seven yards a catch. That's a significant drop-off for a PPR stud like Eckler. Uh, I think he'll rebound a little bit from that, but I, I just like Nick Chubb's upside too much. Okay. I have to cut Eckler. All right. All right, so I went with running backs. I went with second-year backs. Um, I have Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, and DeAndre Swift. Oh, man. Um, this is equally as tough. Uh, I know we're going to differ in opinion a lot here on, on especially two names. I think we'll be similar in one. We'll probably cut and start opposite guys, and we'll sit the same would be my guess. I'm going to start Antonio Gibson. Uh, I, I just look at what Ron Rivera was able to do with Christian McCaffrey. Again, I'm not saying Antonio Gibson is Christian McCaffrey by any stretch of the imagination. But Ron Rivera is really good at getting his running backs the ball in space um he was he antonio gibson was really good for the washington football team last year um and they're going to be a better ball club this year than what they were last year that defense is still um right there uh, i think they're going to have a chance to knock the rams off as the best one of the best defenses this year wow um but i i think i'm going to put antonio gibson as my start my sit is going to be deandre swift just based on his value and his usage this year if this was a dynasty league swift would be my cut because of how bad i think detroit's going to be for the foreseeable future 
But in a redraft, I, I'm, I'm sitting DeAndre Swift because he's going to have a ton of volume, ton of PPR value, and I think I leave Acres on the outside sitting in. But this one was just as tough for me as the last one was. Um, I, I just – listen, I, and I can say for Acres too that Todd Gurley's been terrible after he left Sean McVay. When he had Sean McVay, he was the number one running back in, in, in fantasy football, regardless of your format, whether it was PPR or – um, standard because of the touchdowns were there. Um, but I, I, I just, in my heart and in my gut, I feel like Daryl Henderson's going to have a little bit more of a role than a lot of people are giving him credit. I think, I think all three of these backs still have a really good chance to be top 15, top 10, all three of them. Uh, but I just leave acres off for me. So you were close. I, uh, actually did some thinking and uh, which is, you know, kind of scary sometimes when I do that, I can still see the smoke coming out of your ears. <laughs> I'm going to cut DeAndre Swift rather than sit him. And that's because Jamal Williams is there now. Uh, Jared Goff is there. We're not really sure what that offense is going to look like. So I'm going to cut Swift just because he scares me. That Detroit Lions do scare me. I'm starting Cam Akers because I just like the fact that he's in Sean McVay's offense, and I think he's going to be the pounder. They get to play some – uh, they get to play Seattle and San Francisco and Arizona, where against those defenses, you really want to open, you want to pound the rock early to open your pass game more. I, I think Daryl Henderson will have a role, but he always seems to find himself in the doghouse of Sean McVay. And I just think Cam Akers is going to step up and take the full workhorse load eventually this year. And I'm going to uh, sit Gibson. I'm not a Gibson believer yet. I, I, I was high on him coming in, then I watched him play. And, yes, he had a good year last year. Them adding Curtis Samuel, I think, takes away some of the little gadget touches away from him. J.D. McKissick still there catching balls out of the backfield. So, Antonio Gibson just scares me in that in that offense. I'm going to sit him because, like I said, I was a very high believer on him going in. I, I took him in our dynasty. I ended up trading him to get the quarterback I wanted in there and, and did some moves around. But I just uh, – Gibson, I'm going to sit because if, if I'm wrong, I'd like to still keep him on my roster. But, yeah, I'm going I'm going uh, Akers, Gibson, and Swift. And these guys right now are being drafted ADP-wise. Cam Akers is the number 11. DeAndre Swift is number 12. And Antonio Gibson is number 13 at the moment. So, I, I, I not, to, not to beat on you at all here, but I think it's interesting and worth noting, Gibson finishes the number 13 running back in PPR last year, okay? DeAndre Swift was the number 20. Let me scroll way down here now. Cam Akers was the number forty-four running back last year. How many games year. did they play in? They, I, I'm sure there was. There's some reasoning behind that. Okay, but my biggest factor for for cutting Akers is this: Sean McVay was great with Todd Gurley, but you know what? Sean McVay has never had Matthew Stafford. He's never had a quarterback that's a gunslinger. Jared Goff in his best day has never could never hold a torch to Matthew Stafford. Um, I, I like I said I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to own any of these guys, um, but I I am more scared of Acres than I am either any of any of the others. Even though I truly believe DeAndre Swift's going to have the most get tackled for the for loss of yards more than anybody else will this year out of those three. Um, so you know I, I don't argue and don't fault anybody for for putting these guys in any type of rankings there. I, I you go any type of way with me, and I, I think I can understand where you're at. Um, again, similar trend to my quarterbacks here with my wide receivers. I kind of went aging guys a little bit. Uh, I got A.J. Green with the Cardinals, T.Y. Hilton with the Colts, 
and Mike Williams with the Chargers. I'm cutting Mike Williams because he just doesn't always seem to stay healthy. Um, uh, T.Y. I'm going to start T.Y. because I think there's more passing volume, and I still think he's going to be the number one there in um, Indy. So I'm going to start T.Y., and I'm going to sit A.J. Green because, I mean, Hopkins is there, and then I just don't know if there will be enough volume for A.J. Green to be – a startable talent. They also right have now. Elijah Moore now as well, yes. which makes a big difference. Rondell. Rondell Moore, excuse yes. me, correct. You're right. Um, this one for me is one that I almost want to just toss in the garbage and not answer because <laughs> really I don't want any of them. Uh, but I'm going to cut A.J. Green. Uh, my reason behind that is A.J. Green was one of the most targeted wide receivers in football last year uh, in the first half of the season, and he didn't do a whole lot with it, okay? A lot of drops, um, a lot of balls that you know he caught that he didn't do a whole lot with. He's older. I'm cutting him. Um, this is going to be shocking as well. Um, T.Y. Hilton's my sit, okay? Um, you know, T.Y. Hilton's come out and ex- said he's excited about the deep ball being back in Indy. I think T.Y. Hilton, he used to be one of the best deep ball threats in football um, with Andrew Luck. Um, that's been a while. Um, and I think Carson Wentz, even though he can't complete passes, he almost throws more interceptions and touchdowns. And he almost throws more incompletions than he does completions. Um, but I think he'll do enough that T.Y. will be semi-relevant. Um, I'm taking Mike Williams. Now, listen, Mike Williams is a very, very talented guy. His issue, can't stay on the field. He's not can't keep himself healthy, whatever. But I think the Chargers really have a chance to be one of the best offenses in football this year. And if Mike Williams can even play in 14 of their 17 games this year, I think you're going to see him catch some balls in, in, in some spots and score some touchdowns that um, – you know, you weren't expecting, you know, Jalen Guyton, if you remember uh, watching or seeing any scores from the, the Chargers games, he'd have like one receptions for, for 68 yards and a touchdown um, or, you know, two receptions, 50 yards and a touchdown. Those are all going to be Mike Williams' stats consistently if he plays with, with maybe three to four catches a game. And you add in that that deep ball threat, uh, we just saw a picture prior to starting this cast. Justin Herbert's looking stacked out there. I think you're going to see that offense open up a little bit this year, second year with, with him in the league. It is a new offensive coordinator, but I think you'll see that ball aired out a little bit more this year. And, and for that reason, I, I, I like Mike Williams. Okay. Mine is um, a little uh, younger guys. Uh, we got one entering uh, his fourth year. Uh, I'm going to go Calvin Ridley. I believe it's his fourth year. Um, I got A.J. Brown. And, and Justin Jefferson out there. So we're going to go Ridley Brown and Justin Jefferson are going to be my start and sit cut. They're right there in the three or in the six to eight range of ADPs. This one for me is really easy for the start. Yes. The rest of it's a little, a little harder for me because um, not to say that they're both not, um, but both of, of A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson have a very, very capable wide receiver opposite of them on their team, whether it's Adam Thielen with Justin Jefferson or Julio Jones now with A.J. Brown. Uh, if we would have done this last week, I probably would have said the same thing about A.J. Brown being the, the guy there or whatever. He's still going to be the guy, um, but Julio Jones is going to be there as well. Calvin Ridley doesn't have a Julio Jones or an Adam Thielen. Okay, The Falcons have Calvin Ridley. Yes, Kyle Pitts is there, but Kyle Pitts is a rookie. There is a lot of hype. I'm starting to get on that hype train a little bit myself. But I, I think Calvin Ridley is the obvious answer for the start, okay? My sit is is also is also pretty obvious to me. 
uh, because AJ Brown's done it for multiple years now. He's done it for two years. Um, you remember this, I'm sure, uh, sitting at work with me watching an old Miss game with, with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. I said I liked AJ Brown at Old Miss. Um, he was my favorite wide receiver in that draft, as a matter of fact, um, even more so than DK Metcalf. Um, and I, I, I think I'm going to start him and I'm going to cut Justin Jefferson. I know that sounds silly, um, but Justin Jefferson's done it once ever, uh, one year. Um, and that was with Thielen, I would assume, drawing most of the number one coverages in most of those games. That's not going to happen this year. Uh, I, I do think they're all three great wide receivers, and I wouldn't be upset plugging any one of them in as my wide receiver one. Right. But if you're telling me I can have two of the three, I'm leaving Justin Jefferson out. Okay. My start's Calvin Ridley. Easy as that. Uh, my sit is Justin Jefferson, and that's just because I, I just feel like that, once again, that team's going to air the ball out more. Their defense isn't quite there. I mean, I know Tennessee's isn't the greatest, but I, I, I like Justin Jefferson. I like his volume, even with Adam Thielen there. So Justin Jefferson's my, my uh, sit. My cut's A.J. Brown, all because they added Julio. And I, I still, with Julio's age, I still think A.J. Brown's going to see a lot more double coverage than a lot of people are thinking because, yes, Julio's name is is big, but he's also the older guy there. So I think they're going to be able to – I don't want to say they're going to body him up one-on-one -on -one and, and, and win because I don't think there's too many corners capable of doing that with eight, uh, with uh, uh, Julio. So I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and cut A.J. Brown here. There, these are, there's been some really tough ones here. I mean, you know, running backs and wide receivers, you almost can't go wrong with, with any of these guys that we've talked about. Um, obviously not my wide receivers that I put out. You wouldn't want those as your wide receiver one. No. Um, but, uh, you know, um, man, you, you, you tell me that, that all three of those guys could finish as top ten wide receivers. I wouldn't be shocked if all three of those guys finished his top five wide receivers right. next year. There's there's an op, there's that opportunity is there for all of those guys. Um, and, you're, and you're asking me to cut one. That's tough. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we both kind of nailed our, our explanations on that, and uh, we're good to move on. Uh, my last um, menu option, if you will, is uh, of the tight end variety. Um, I've got Mike Jacecki, Logan Thomas, and Noah Fant. I think I'm gonna. It's tough. Yeah, I think I'm gonna cut Noah Fant because I'm not really sure where the quarterback situation is there. I don't know if it's Teddy. I don't know if it's Drew. I don't know if Rogers is gonna show up or Watson. So I'm gonna go ahead and cut Noah Fant. I'm going to. Let's just say I'm going to sit Gasecki. Um, I'd like to see what that offense actually does with, you know, adding Waddle and Fuller and he has still got Parker there. So I want to see, you know, where he falls in line. So I'm going to sit him and I'm going to go ahead and start Logan Thomas because of what I said earlier. I think he's going to do just enough to creep himself into a top seven tight end. Yeah, so this is this is a t really, really tough one for me as well because Noah Fant's shown um, great flashes. Uh, he was on pace to be a top five tight end last year prior to his injury. Um but Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater is kind of gross. Um, then you move over to Logan Thomas. The team added two new pass catchers there this year. Uh, and then you go over to the Dolphins. They also added two new pass catchers this year. Um, so this is a really, really tough one for me. Obviously, I own Mike Jusecki, so the easy answer for me would be Mike Jusecki, but I don't think I'm going to go that route. Um, I think I'm going to start Noah Fant, okay? Uh, my rationale behind that is you have Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Pretty good guys on the on the outside. 
should free up Mike Jacecki or uh, Noah Fant, excuse me, across the middle. Um, and Teddy Bridgewater, Andrew Locke, neither one of them are exceptional. So if that's your starting quarterback, those are your starting quarterback options. I think your tight end's a very safe bet in that offense. So I'm going to go Noah, Noah Fant. Uh, as much as this pains me to do so, I'm going to sit Logan Thomas. Um, I really, I just really trust Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I mean, Mike just said he had a 32-point game last year with with uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I'm going to start Logan Thomas or sit Logan Thomas, excuse me. And I'm cutting Mike Jacecki again. I do own him. I still have a lot of faith in him. I think he's a top ten tight end this year. Um, Tua really loves him, but Tua was also one of the greatest quarter, college quarterbacks of all time for deep balls. Okay, and he just got two deep ball specialists in his team, and Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. And those guys are going to see a lot, a lot, a lot of deep balls. Um, I, I still think Mike Jacecki's the red zone target there, and. In, in, um, Miami, I could see Devonte Parker having that similar role, um, but because of the, the skilled pass catchers, if you put their three wide receivers from all three of these teams um, out there, and you can tell me I can own all three of the guys from one team, I'm picking Miami's pass catchers. Um, you know, Cortland, it's Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and probably uh, KJ, KJ Hamler, Hamler. Um, which I'm, I'm taking. I'm probably taking um, Cortland Sutton over Will Fuller. Probably taking Jalen Waddle over. Um, Jerry Judy, but I'm going to take um, um, Devontae Parker, excuse <laughs> me, over KJ Hamler. And then when you go to Washington, it's it's Scary Terry, uh, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Dwami Brown. Uh, I'm taking Scary Terry over any wide receiver in this group, but outside of that, I don't want any of those other two in Washington. So that kind of puts me out on those a little bit, um, which is why I, I like Logan Thomas as my start there. Okay. So I originally had Gusecki with my three, but I went ahead and flipped it up a little bit here. We're going to go with Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, same team. Then we're going to throw a little rookie out there. No, not Kyle Pitts. Pat Furmuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who are we starting? Who are we sitting? And who are we cutting? All right, so if I'm the New England general manager, I'm cutting one of these guys so there's fantasy relevancy for the <laughs> other, and then that makes my, op my, my option and my choice extremely easy. All right, my cut is still extremely easy. Uh, my cut is Pat Fumuth. Listen, we see a lot of tight ends take a lot of time to develop in the league. You know, it used to be back in the day in fantasy, it, it was wait three years for a wide receiver. That's when they really start breaking out. Now you kind of expect that from wide receivers coming in the door. Um, we're still on that like two to three year window with tight ends a little bit. I think as the game starts evolving, you start seeing these more, more athletic guys come out like Kyle Pitts, if you will. You'll start seeing them develop a little bit faster, but I'm not on the Pat Fearmuth train just yet. Um, I mainly because I don't trust Ben Roethlisberger this year. I don't think he's going to be able to throw the ball, you know, 35 yards down the field consistently, um, which may help Pat Fearmuth. Um, but you got, you know, Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster who excel in short yardage situations. You've now got uh, Najee Harris, who's going to be a PPR monster there, I believe, this year with Ben Roethlisberger. So Pat Fearmuth's the odd man out for me. Um, oh gosh, Hunter Henry and John Smith. Um, one of us owns them. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I don't own either of them because that would be a tough spot to be in. Um, thank goodness I got Goddard. I'm probably gonna start John Smith and sit Hunter Henry. Uh, I, I just think that John Smith's a little bit slightly more athletic, um, than Hunter Henry. I think Hunter Henry's got better hands of the two. Um, 
But with Cam Newton being a scrambling quarterback, and again, you heard last episode, I think Cam Newton's going to start all 17 games there this year. I know a lot of people disagree with me. That's cool. I'll probably do a hot shot at the end of that one over that. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think Jonu Smith will be moved around in formations a little bit more. And you take a tight end, you put him in the slot, or you put him out on the outside, it becomes increasingly harder for a cornerback to cover that than it does a, a, a speedy linebacker. Uh, so I'm going to start Janu and sit Hunter Henry and cut for your move. Okay. I'm actually going to cut Janu. I think he's going to be used more as the, the blocking tight end there in New England. I think Henry's going to be the one that's split out a little bit more. I'm going to cut Janu. I'm going to sit Pat Fiermuth just because, like you said, Big Ben cannot throw the ball very deep anymore. So I think that Fiermuth is just a bully inside the five to seven, five to seven yards, and I think that could be a huge upgrade um, for Big Ben to have a guy like that in the middle of the field. And I'm going to uh, start Hunter Henry. Unfortunately, I'm going to. Um, I just think, like I said, I think he's going to get moved around a lot more, and I mean. Cam Newton could, you know, he's going to end up picking one of these guys, and that's going to be his go-to guy mm-hmm. at short yardage situations. So, yeah, I'm going to go Henry, Fiermuth, and Jono will be my start, sit, and then cut. So, you know, I, 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 I just have to say really quick for the record, I hate that you picked two guys on the same team for me because that made that increasingly harder. Um, but nonetheless, this was very fun. We'll come back to this several times as the season progresses, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, this may be something we got to do on a weekly basis to help some people out here. It could be. Um, I think next week we're going to try to do like a li- little bit of a listener mailbag. Yeah. Um, so if you guys have any questions you want to hear answered or discussed on the show, uh, either send a, a message to the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast, drop a comment, um, whatever the case may be, uh, throw up throw up some questions you want to hear talked about, uh, and we'll come back at you next week with, with uh, some some mailbag. I think and. Uh, Depending on what time gets into, we may get into something else next week. We'll have Absolutely. to wait and see. Absolutely. So so we got a little bit of time to spare. I want to throw some little curveball at you to discuss here. So we're getting into that time of year where people are starting their draft preps. So I'm going to break down kind of what do you do when you're setting up. Let's start with Dynasty. When you're looking at a Dynasty re, or a dynasty startup, where do you look and how do you start your draft prep for that? So we're going to go with how do you normally start up. Get yourself in that football mindset for a lot of people that have been out of it so long. I know this. I know we don't really get out of it, but how would you start yourself to get going? Yeah, so if we're talking about getting ourselves back into the draft prep, uh, obviously the first thing you got to do is, and for me anyway, and it's something I've started doing within the last couple of years, um, but I throw myself into podcasts. Um, you know, I, I if I'm just – if you just put me in a dark room – and you say, go make a draft board, it's going to be really hard because I'm going to not be thinking, uh, not looking at different possibilities. I'm going to be one-track-minded. Um, so when you start l- listening to podcasts, maybe not so much for advice, but other people's opinions on things, um, just to get your, your brain working a little bit, that's the first thing I do. Um, usually I go out and I, I hit up uh, all the magazines that come and hit the store. I go Absolutely. grab those things. I start looking at their rankings, their projections, things of that nature. I look up ADPs. I spend a lot of time going over ADPs. And then when it comes time to making my actual draft board, because I've, I don't ever go into a draft blind. I don't care if I'm drafting on a phone, uh, whether it's a live draft on a phone, a live draft in person with no phones. I go in with my research done. Uh, I usually walk in with, you know, more paper uh, and notes written down than I need um, because curveballs are thrown at you in drafts. Um, but I usually take, 
uh, each round I rank and I put eight guys in there. I list their ADP. Uh, and then as they get drafted, I cross the name out and I start circling them as they start sliding. All right. Okay. And then I, I'm always, I, I'm a guy, I don't care if it's dynasty. I don't care if it's a redraft. Um, if there's value on the board, I, I'm not going to necessarily reach to fill my positional need. Um, I, I will for certain guys, not for others, but I, I typically go B, BPA every, every pick I have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So me, in order to get into it, as like you said, podcasts, I like to hear other people's opinions. I like to, you know, get out and, and, and see, uh, you know, or hear, I guess is what it would be, other people's opinions. Because I may be torn between a couple guys and then get out there and I hear, well, why is this guy favored? Why is this guy favored? That's normally how I get started into it. With Dynasty, and I did not do this, and I, I learned, it's one thing I learned, youth is is huge in Dynasty, so I'm going to – I would go out and I would start looking at some of these guys drafted. Your Najee's best position available for – or best landing spot available for a running back at that pick. He, Najee went to Pittsburgh. Travis Etienne is going into a new offense where they want to use him as a little gadget guy. So, I mean, I like to look to see where these guys fall, and, and I'm going to start looking at the rookies, and I'm going to go through my second-year guys and then my third-year guys – and see who's really on the verge of a possible breakdown and everything. That's how I'm going to load up and start my dynasty. With a redraft, I like to go in. I like to get the finishing rankings of last year's. I like to look over those for a few days. Look how they finished. Each position kind of break down. Okay, so why did McCaffrey, how come McCaffrey finished so low? Well, obviously he missed, you know, ample amount of time last year. But look what he did in the time he did. I like to look and see what they did with the time they played. You know, so McCaffrey played what three or four games last year, and still yeah. still finished. I think inside RB fifty, which is crazy. Yeah. I think he averaged twenty some points a game, even those three four games. So I really like to break that down. Is that's really how I start getting going. Then I like to get my notes out, start drinking my guys, put them in. You know, by rounds, everything else. I normally go with about fifteen guys per round to start. Then I'll break that down into eight or ten, and then and then down to eight to and, and possibly five. I know when I go into my, my later rounds, I like to have only five guys there because I always feel like some of them guys in them early rounds are going to slide to me. So I definitely want – I like to get in and I like to look at everything when I go in. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. And there's always players that slide, and it doesn't matter how much research you do. It doesn't matter how prepared you are. It's, you're going to catch yourself looking back through your notes going, how did I miss that this guy slid three rounds later than I have him projected? you got to grab him. Um, one thing I will add to what you said for Dynasty there um, with youth, um, dynasty youth and dynasty is massive, um, but you can't overload on it. You got to get some proven talent in because if you go with a, a team full of youth, they're going to do what youthful guys do. They're going to stumble. They're not going to come out the gate strong, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's got to be a healthy balance. And then also you got to look at um, redrafts and startup dynasties to an extent. You got to be looking at bye weeks a little bit. Bye weeks are a huge, huge Absolutely. thing. I've seen a lot of players, guys draft, and then they come out of the draft and they're like. How did I end up with eight guys that I'm going to start that have, you know, four of them each on two different bye weeks? They're all gone. You're counting those as losses. So you got to be really careful with that. Um, but again, next week, we're going to come at, hit you guys with a mailbag. So again, get us those questions. Anything you want to hear discussed. Uh, there is no such thing as a stupid question unless it be, pertains to food. And if I want a salad, that's a stupid question. I don't want a salad. Absolutely not. So as always, stay hungry and stay fat, my friends. <laughs>